Blog Talk Radio. Promise this is the year end podcast episode of Serial Coma. <laughs> we had so we had so much to talk about last week that we kind of just like ran right into the end of the podcast and got hung up on, which was kind of hilarious. So here we are picking it up again. I am one of your hosts, uh, former soap reporter Malabada Sharji. I'm here with my buddo, my partner in crime, uh, scandalous woman Elizabeth Carey Mahone. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Amala. What's going on? <laughs> Not much. I actually, um, I will say, I spent the last week uh, dedicatedly watching General Hospital while I was in San Diego with my with my family. And um, looking back at our last podcast, we were talking about which shows were the strongest and you know which ones needed some work. And um, I'm now fully on board with your assessment of GH being the strongest. Um, I think it did, you know, as we head into the end of the year, uh, there was very little weakness. I think all of the stories were very balanced. Um, It does have a really, really huge cast. It's got the cast of thousands. But I really don't think there was a single sour note as we ended ended the year. which is pretty impressive. Kevin and Laura's wedding, Jason's return, the Cassandra plot coming to a head, the election tampering storyline, um, the, the gentrification arc. Um, I didn't have a single complaint, I got to say. Yeah, I mean, I was really, I have to say, surprised. Hold on. To say that I was really surprised that with the whole, um, I don't know what's going on with the blowback. I would say I was really surprised that they brought back the mayoral election storyline, which had been part of that whole fluke storyline, mm-hmm. and then just got dropped. So when they brought it back up as part of this whole Lulu decides she wants to be a journalist storyline, I was pleasantly surprised. And it makes me wonder if they're going to recast Nicholas. Yeah. I mean, he's been mentioned a lot. And as we know, whenever there's a bit of mentionitis, we start wondering if that character's coming back. Um, and it would be kind of... But a- I thought that, like... Yeah. I, I thought the yeah. whole week... I mean, I thought the whole, like, Kim and Drew spending time together and getting mm-hmm. a little bit more of their storyline and... You know, I, I kind of wish the Cassandra storyline would go on just a bit longer. But, I mean, because I don't want to lose Jessica Tuck. Yes. But I'm I'm really happy with the way they've brought things to a head for the end of the year. It really felt like, you know, they've set up a lot of really good stuff to go into 2018. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I was really glad that I just sat down and full-on caught up. Um, and... And conversely, you know, I, I kind of let go of the other shows for a bit. Um, Days of Our Lives I thought was so strong for a while, but really in the absence of the zombie will arc, as I like to call it, 
uh, the zombie amnesiac will are. The rest of the stories uh, run from, you know, anemic, which is what I like to, you know, the whole Ciara Claire feud and hope being the most like lackluster angry mom on the planet um, to like the Brady and Eve stuff to the, you know, it, it runs from anemic to offensive, which was the Theo and JJ arc. So really when you take away the will storyline, the rest of the canvas for me just didn't step up to the plate. Um, and, and in that respect, that's why general hospital edges it out because um I just got bored watching days this past couple of weeks at the end of the year. Well, and that's interesting because, you know, as I tweeted, I, I thought I was watching Thursday's episode and I guess I was watching Wednesday's episode because mm-hmm. I wanted to see Tyler's, you know, arrival is the ungodly name, Stefan O. Demira. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like seriously, why didn't they, they just make an EJ back from the dead? <laughs> Because I mean, really, because really, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but really, that's what his character is going to be, is he's created to fill the hole left by EJ's death. I yeah. mean, that's the only reason why I can see bringing on yet another spawn of Stefano's. Um, yeah. But I did notice what you were saying, like the whole episode just seemed to be, you know, Sean and Dell come by to say goodbye. Um, I did like I do like the new Sierra, and I thought her scene with yeah. Theo, where she told him how she felt, was good. But like the whole episode was just boring. Like you know, uh, Abe was like, "Oh, Hope, I'm so sorry. I was so mean to you and firing you." And the whole thing, I'm like, well, what was the whole point of this J.J. storyline other than just to give J.J. a storyline? Yeah. I mean, there didn't seem to be, like, it didn't seem that Ron was saying anything about, you know, Black Lives Matter or cops or anything. It was just, we need J- for something for J.J. to do, so this is what we're going to give him. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and that it kind really, of annoyed yeah, there's me. There's no long-term, yeah, the only real long-term consequences uh, are probably going to come out in the in the affair that Lanny and Eli had, you know, the, the one-night stand they had. Like, that's really the only thing that has a long-term consequence. You know, when that, she's probably going to end up pregnant, you know, as you do. Um, of course. And have a who's the, ba- you know, who's the daddy storyline. And it's like, that is your biggest <sighs> bit of fallout from a police shooting storyline? You ha- I think you have to, like, re- reconsider how you tell a story, you know? Um, and, again, it really did turn into something that was all about J.J., all about his girlfriend cheating on him, you know, his suicide watch, his angst, his mother's angst. Um, his father coming it- back to him from the dead during his whole, like, yeah, you know, a Christmas Carol-like storyline with him, you know, with the suicide. Um yeah, it it just it's saying nothing. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, you know, I mean, some real world stuff filtered in for me this week while I was thinking about Days of Our Lives. I was thinking about Erica Garner, who um, you know died of an asthma induced heart attack at the age of twenty seven this week. Uh, she was the daughter of Eric Garner, who uh, was uh, suffocated by police in Staten Island. Uh, a couple years back, 
see the real life toll that police violence takes on the black community, on black families. Um, you know, Erica was a tireless activist, and and it killed her at 27. And then you turn on Days of Our Lives, and you see it's all about JJ. It's all about absolving and, a white cop, and it just it hurts. It it like well yeah, particularly because they made it that Theo was actually committing a criminal act when he got shot. Instead of having yes. it be like a Trayvon Martin kind of thing where, like, say someone had called in suspicious person walking and it turned out to be Theo who wasn't doing anything, then that would have real resonance. But the fact that, you know, Theo was trying to be like a Demira and doing something criminal and then lied about it to, you know, absolve Kate, it's like yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Again, I mean, it's all about white people. It is all about white people. We were talking on Twitter the other day, me and a couple of other days viewers, um, about how at the end of the day, how it shakes out is that all the white people got absolved. Like Kate got, you know, Kate's off the hook. Uh, JJ's mm-hmm. off the hook. But all the black people did something wrong. Abe Abe was a, a bad commissioner, and he yelled at all the white ladies. Um, Lonnie cheated. Eli cheated. Screwed up in the in the in the ER. So and Theo did something criminal and didn't drop a, and didn't drop his doohickey when told. So what we're seeing in this storyline is that all uh, yes, all the black characters did something negative, but all the white characters get to skate. And and I'm not saying that they sat there and they plotted it out this way. You know, they're not. I'm not. You know, call. I'm not calling the writing team racist. You know, or any of that. But I think you know. When you have a all-white writer's room, those are the biases that come through in the writing. It's not that they're doing it on purpose. It's that we all carry those biases. You know, we all carry different racial yeah. biases and gender biases, and it does show in our work. And, and, and it all, I think, came through in how this story was slanted and presented. Um, and it's unfortunate because it really colors Days of Our Lives as a whole for me right now. And, and, you know, I'm disappointed that a show that has such a good head writer and has such a great cast and has so many things going on for it fumbled this ball in such a... Yeah, it's, it's kind of sad because, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I, I expected better from Ron yeah. because of the storylines that, that, you know, he did on GH and before that on One Life to Live. Um so I really had high hopes when I first heard about this storyline, particularly since General Hospital had majorly fumbled their own sort of Black Lives Matter storyline by having 95% of it take place off camera. Yeah. So I'm really disappointed with the way things turned out with the storyline on Dave. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just wonder... You know, it it makes me think that, you know, maybe, you know, it's not Ron's strength. And maybe he just needs to focus on things that he's good at. You know, the Demira, this potential Demira storyline and whatever. And just not let the real world filter in unless you're really going to do it properly. Yeah. 
Exactly. I mean, sometimes you just have to know that, like, high camp and soapy antics is your wheelhouse and kind of stay there. Um, and, and, you know, I've seen a lot of people also say that because Ron does gay characters really well, of course he's going to do other, you know, progressive issues well. And I'm like, that's not necessarily true. Again, we all carry different biases and different strengths. And and God knows there are plenty of racist gay white men. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like being being uh, having a handle on LGBT issues doesn't necessarily mean you're automatically going to be good at handling racist you know race issues or religious issues or you know not everyone has an intersectional grasp of these things. And again, I'm not calling him a racist. I'm saying that you know I feel like I have to keep repeating that like. Just in case, disclaimer. Yeah. I, I think the big problem is, um, you know, when I started watching soaps in the 70s, you know, one of the things that soaps did really well is they were able to bring in, up through the 80s and early 90s, they were able to bring in stories like um, When One Life to Live did the whole thing about the AIDS quilt and, mm-hmm. you know, the stone robin. But then... Yes. At a certain point, writers stopped doing that, and they concentrated more on, you know, the either high camp or, you know, the usual soap tropes of multiple twins and whatever, and they got away yeah. from that. So I don't yeah. think they really know how to do it anymore. And Agreed. I think part of the reason is you have so many writers who just go from soap to soap to soap and there are no new writers coming in from outside the industry, so you're not having that, you know, outside view coming in. And I think that's part yeah. of the problem with daytime soaps. Yeah. Although, again, they did that with Mal Young. They brought in a new and and on Y&R, and in my opinion, it was it's it's not good. Like, and they tried again with sex trafficking. They they tried to take a a, a big issue and relate it, you know, and, and tell it. And I feel like it's something that would have been handled way better, you're right, in the 90s, in the 80s, um, when tackling social issues with that kind of heft was, was more common. Uh, here, it was just, it, it was it was played so poorly. It, it, I feel like it, it exploited women more than it actually um, showcased the plight of exploited women, I mean, when Scott wakes up in bed with a dead sex worker, you're like, um, <laughs> what lesson is this teaching me? <laughs> what is my takeaway other than he's waking up in bed with a dead sex worker? Um, it was purely played for, for, for drama, for, for a plot device, for a plot point. Um, and Y&R in general, I feel like it's just been a, a hot mess as we head into the end of the year. Um, so sometimes having a new, you know, new eyes on it, uh, we've talked about it before, they want to reinvent the wheel. And that doesn't work either. So it's about finding, I think, the proper balance between um, those two things. So would you say that, because we were talking on Twitter between uh, what was the worst soap of the year, and it's between Y&R and B&B. So yes. would you say that because let's let's face it, um, B and B B and B has a lot of problems, but it's never going to change as long as there's a head writer with the last name Bell. 
Yeah. At the helm. So, you know, you watch B&B and you just have to accept it for what it is and know yeah. that, you know, hope's coming back and it's going to be the same old triangles and whatever. And you just have to enjoy it for what it is. Whereas Y&R, you kind of have higher expectations for. Yes. And yes. And they're not being met at the moment. In yeah. fact, it, it yeah. seems from what you've been saying, it's kind of getting worse. Yes, it really is. Because now they're focusing on the Scott, Abby, Sharon thing and Sharon punching out Abby and dumping stuff on Scott's head. And it's like no one cares enough about that triangle to give a rat's ass about her confronting these two pathetic cheaters who don't have chemistry. Like, it is so low. Um, oh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? It's too early in the um, uh, low, low stakes. It is so low stakes. No one cares, you know. And you're right. I think Bold and Beautiful, as much as, you know, we gnash our teeth and we roll our eyes, this is, it, it's, this is their M.O., we're used to it. Um, I do miss, as I said to someone on Twitter, to Matt Hanvey, um, that we miss Kay Alden's touch on it. Uh, I think the show has gotten a lot more masculine and alpha and and just icky in the last couple of years in a way that just tells me we need, like, someone like Kay Alden back to kind of balance out uh, Bradley Bell. Um, but, but, but it's still bold and beautiful. We know what we're, we know what we're getting. And as I, and I said before, Wyatt and Katie were great. Um, you know, the paternity stuff with Bill and Steffi, we knew it was coming. Um, right. So why and R to me is, is the worst soap of the four as we, as we end the year. Because I feel like it fell so far, so fast. Um, and, and just, and in parts it's actually literally unwatchable because they've changed their camera work. You know, it's all fast cuts, hand cam, shaky cam, you know, people showing up, just zipping around town. Like, I've gotten nauseated at watching it. So it's literally so it's like It's giving you whiplash. It's yep. giving you kind of whiplash. Yeah. It is. It's, it's actually hard to watch physically. Um, <laughs> so uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean um, – I mean, one of the things that I love about Bold and the Beautiful, and it, and it has to do with the fact that, you know, the show's set in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So they can actually do a lot of outdoor shooting, like all the, the stuff with Steffi and Liam, you know, outside at their beach house, and Steffi's, you know, standing out and thinking about how great it's going to be with when she and Liam have their child mm-hmm. and the whole thing. So it adds a bit of variety to the show that you don't get from the other soaps. Yeah. Um, and and there was also a really nice scene between Katie and Thorne where, like, Thorne came over and Katie was in her underwear because she expected Wyatt. And she actually, like, <laughs> stood there and, and chatted with Thorne in her underwear for a good five minutes. For her. And, you know, they had this – and they had this sort of flirty banter back and forth. And, you mm-hmm. know – I started to think, as much as I love Katie and Wyatt, I could I could go for a Katie Wyatt Thorne, you know, love triangle. You know, mm-hmm. my my other biggest pet peeve with B and B is, you know, Brad has a tendency to to like, you know, he sees a shiny new object and he's like a cat, and he plays yes. with it for a while, and then he gets bored. 
Like the Avants yeah. were his little, like, you know, catnip yeah. toy, and he played with them for a while, and then he got bored. And then he brought and the, the Spectre new Spectres on, yeah. and he played with them for a while. And now for the last two weeks of the – or three weeks, no Spectre. We haven't seen them. They, like, completely – we have not seen them. And now that it's like, okay, now that Hope is coming back, what happened to the potential – Liam Sally storyline if Hope's coming back. And why right. this show is already overstuffed with people for a half hour. Why do you need to bring back Hope? You don't. Why not deal I with mean, all these Spectras that you've just brought on? Right. And Ivy, who's so, still hanging out being Quinn's assistant and coffee fetcher. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so and, I just, that's my, that's my biggest problem and also RJ you know who's like 16 or 17 and he's like totally wants mom and dad back together and I'm like what 16 or 17 year old guy spends that much time worrying about his parents getting back together (laughs) right he should Um, be like he should be a real ridge junior he should be like wheeling and dealing at school or whatever like you know trying to get into Coco's pants and Coco, like, yeah. being, like, I'm not that type of girl. And then they, what they should do is they should age, they should, no offense to this actor, but they should get an older actor to play RJ. They should bring Sasha mm-hmm. Fierce back from Paris and yeah. do, since Brad likes to redo storylines, do, make her, like, a black amber and have her yes. seduce RJ to try to get in with the Foresters. Yes. That's, it's funny because I actually I mean, that would be fantastic. Actor- uh, I actually met a guy who had auditioned to play an older RJ, um, but they ended up not aging the character. I mean, and this is an actor who's in his late 20s, uh, early 30s now probably. So he must have auditioned for RJ, I want to say sometime within the last five, six years, uh, and the character would have been in his 20s, um, but they never went forward with that. And uh, it's unfortunate because now we yeah, we have this 16-year-old who's sitting around doing nothing. And um, and then I see that they're also going to move forward with Carter coming back and telling Maya he, has, he still has feelings for her, which I get it. We miss Carter. We miss Maya. We want more of those characters. But in that context, that makes no sense. Like, no. Carter basically. It makes Carter no basically, sense at all. Yeah. Carter kind of got over Maya very fast and he was you know kind of uncomfortable with the trans reveal and all of that um it just i i can't see him suddenly coming out of the blue and being interested in maya i'm actually upset that they didn't play the zende maya angle and they got rid of zende um i know i know the actor left but but that was yeah i wish that yeah and i wish that they had instead of you know i wish they had recast zende and mm-hmm. done that. Agreed. Yes. Instead of like Carter, it just makes no sense. I mean, I like the actor. I don't think yes. he's that strong of an actor. So I'm like, why are you? And because at this point you've established Rick and Maya as being so rock solid, I really right. can't imagine that Maya is going to be like, yeah, I'm going to leave my hot forester husband for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little worried Especially about Especially since I'm now this top model. Exactly. I have no idea. I yeah. have no I mean, idea what's going. 
with the yeah. CBS soaps, I I really have no idea what's going on, um, other than probably, you know, Brooke will end up breaking up with Ridge at some point for mm-hmm. some for somebody. <laughs> I don't know whether it's going to be Thorn or or you know. In fact, I would rather see Brooke and Carter than Brooke and Maya. Dude, I have been wanting Brooke to bounce Carter like a mat, you know, on the mattress for like three years now. Back when she was going through her her very what I thought awesome single period, um, I was just like, she needs. She, I thought she needed to have a no strings thing with Carter, because um, um, just like Wyatt and Katie are having. Um, because that would solve the problem of him not having anything to do. And it would give her something that's not a commitment. Like, she's like a serial, she, she takes serial monogamy to, like, the the most bizarre degree. <laughs> it's like, come on, Brooke, you don't need to marry him all. You know, <laughs> well, and, and it's so interesting because, like, the Brooke who, who was the savvy businesswoman who, like, forced the foresters to give her like part of the company because of her belief formula is gone. And now she just spends most of her time like ping ponging between men. And it's just sort of like, and it's annoying. It is annoying. Again, I feel like the show has lost um, its female focus. Uh, A couple of years back, I used to love Bold and Beautiful because the men were kind of the appendages for once. Uh, you know, in opposition yeah. to all the other shows, uh, like even Bill was kind of an appendage to Katie and and Brooke, and and somewhere in the last two years, you know, the dynamic flipped, and now the women are all like servile and needy and clinging to men. You know, Steffi's going to be begging Liam to come back on her hands and knees. And I'm like, that's not the bold and beautiful that I was enjoying for years. The bold and beautiful I was enjoying. You know, honestly, let's face it, I, I, like, having Stephanie drive the series as a powerful, conniving, charismatic woman, and then all the other women kind of acted and reacted in similar fashions. Um, but now, with this focus on Ridge and Bill and Eric and Thorne, um, it, it's just, it, it's not the same. And it's very, well, yeah, it's very sexist. Well, the the dynamic. I hate to blame one person for this, but the dynamic really changed when they recast Ridge with Torsten, mm-hmm. and he came on as Zack Slater Ridge. Yeah, and with all his his testosterone, and you know, no offense to Ron Moss, but let's face it, him with the scars was not exactly swinging his balls around. No, offense. I always. But now you, but now you have like Torsten's alpha male bully Ridge, and all of a sudden it became like Bill became a bully, and now Thorne's yes. gone, and now he's becoming a bully. And then for a while there, when Wyatt was like, you know, mad at Liam for blackmailing Bill, it's like Wyatt became a bit of a bully. Yeah, and it's 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 just not very attractive. And no, it, it made watching Bold for a couple of months really hard. Yeah. 
Yeah, especially with the current dynamic and the current climate in the country. Again, you know, coming back to toxic masculinity and, and, and all of that happening in the real world. Like, it's hard to watch that on a soap. Um, and we're yeah. coming down on our last minute here. It's counting us down, or it will be. So um, as we wrap up this podcast and 2017, uh, what do you want to see on uh, on your soap? Let's do a well, last. Well, well, what I want to see on General Hospital is I want to see I want to see more the balance they have right now. I'd like to continue. I would like mm-hmm. to see more umbrella stories that sort of affect everyone on the canvas and not mm-hmm. be sort of like isolated units. You know, it's mm-hmm. one of the things I said on Twitter about how I wish that Sonny could have been brought into this Cassandra storyline. Yeah. And Uh-oh. I'm not a huge Sonny fan. <laughs> okay, but that's, I, that's I want more I want more umbrella storylines. Awesome. That affect everyone. I am right I am right there with you. I want balance on all four shows, and I want more romance. I want more couples. That's what I want in 2018. More romance, more sexy times, more flirting. More couples to root for, not like couples because they put these two people together. I want couples that really to root for and that have obstacles, real obstacles. I I want love in the afternoon. Ditto. Me too. And I think that is a great note to end on. Give us more love in the afternoon next year. All right, daytime. Thank you all so much for sticking with us. Um, and we'll see you uh, in the new year with new podcasts. Yay. Yay. Happy new year, everyone. Happy new year. <laughs>